Don't tell me words don't matter. Because our words have creative power. On Open to Interpretation, host Amy Young is joined by PLU faculty and educators from different academic disciplines to consider a single word commonly used in the news, on social media, and on college campuses. It ain't the word! It's the context in which the word is said. Through debate and dialogue, Open to Interpretation reminds us that rarely, if ever, can a word's meaning be reduced to a single understanding. At last, we're going to have a dialogue about the power of words. And now, here's Dr. Amy Young. Well, welcome to Open to Interpretation. I am Amy Young. I'm an Associate Professor of Communication at Pacific Lutheran University. And joining me today are my guests, Kane Anderson, Assistant Professor of Theater, and Mike Sabarschuk, Assistant Professor of Religion. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Amy. You're so welcome. Thank you for being here. We're going to start with a few warm-ups just to kind of get the juices flowing this morning. So let's say that you've had a super stressful, awful day, and you find yourself at a bar after work. <laughs> Mike, what are you ordering? Oh, super stressful day? Super stressful day. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's probably a Manhattan and some French fries. I mean, there you go, right? I, that is a classic American I feel, answer. Yeah, I, know. Yeah. I, I feel like that's like apple pie and the flag. <laughs> <laughs> My feeling about that first drink is you want to you wanna feel it, right? You right. Know, you don't, I mean, like you can, you know, taper off later. But sure. The first one, you kind of you want to make your head to spin a little bit. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to open with like a Miller Lite. No, why? Well, you want to spend if you're going to spend the money, get the the nice drink up front. Oh yeah, and I, then you can drink the the cheap stuff afterwards when you're just maintaining. I like that. Yeah, that seems like worse to live by, right? I think it's maybe you all should go out together after this. <laughs> I mean, I it's a little early. It'll be eleven thirty. <laughs> why not? <laughs> all right, Kane, you've had a stressful day. You go to the bar. What are you ordering? Okay, so at, at Surprisingly, as a professor, I don't drink, like not for any particular reason. I just don't drink because I'm poor, and but I'm I'm a taco addict, so oh. I would probably be going to like whatever bar has the taco truck next door, oh, and I think that's a good idea. Going a little bit nuts, and yeah. then I come in with taco breath, and my friends just kind of move further and further away. Yeah, I can really hurt myself on tacos. <laughs> so, like, do you have a preference? Right? I mean, we're talking. I mean, pork, beef. Chicken. I, I will. You? I even go for more of the extreme stuff. I'll oh, get the beef tongue. Lung, lengua, get, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. I will go with whatever's Cabeza. there. As long as it's spicy, I'm happy. Excellent. Ordering by body part. I like that. That's yeah, great. it's good. Yeah. Point to the part on the animal. <laughs> <laughs> this is going so well Sounds already. Crazy. Uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I would have an old fashioned. Oh. And something with cheese. Cheese? Yeah. yeah. Cheesy things. I don't know, like queso and chips or oh, something. That sounds good too. Yeah. yeah, which sounds weirder than old fashioned. I really whatever. need to eat before we do this. Now I'm like, um, where should I go to? Yeah, we should go out now. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great. All right. So what? Oh, Kane, you'll love this. What comic book character do you think would make the best president of the United States? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so part of my. My research as a scholar is I study superheroes and performance, and I can actually cite issues from memory of Superman and Captain America both being president. But actually, I, I would say Wonder Woman would be the best president. Yeah. Uh, part of it, particularly <laughs> it's a character that's been reinterpreted the last several years. She's got a very strong political bent. 
and mm-hmm. a perspective on equality that we're not used to seeing in politics. She would she also. She doesn't take a lot of crap from. Yeah, people. she would kick ass. That's and she has an invisible jet. <laughs> right. That, I mean, that's probably better than Air Force One. It, totally, because how do you hit an invisible yeah. jet? And she can fly herself too. She can fly. She can she's also a pilot. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, as fly. is Captain America, I guess, yeah. but still, yeah. Oh. Mike. Oh God, that's better, right? I mean, at Wonder Woman, you can't really. No, we're all sort of on your bus now. I know, right? I, I'm going to vote for that. You yeah, open strong. I guess uh, <laughs> uh, if I have to pick someone different, um, oh, Charles Xavier, I guess, right? Yeah, all knowing, right? Like he is kind of all knowing. Like that shit, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, you he's someone, hooked, some knowledge, hooked up to right? all the yeah well, he's electrodes. Dead. Well, so, oh, shit. yes, that's like, right. Currently, yeah. but he'll, he'll bounce back. We're we're about that time when it's going to the swing fourth the other movie way. comes back uh, and he he'll be both uh, like omniscient and resurrected. Yeah, I, it's okay. The X Men characters keep coming back. It's part of their their special mutant power. It's their deal. Yeah, it's their deal. I think if I had to go really really obscure. Well, I was going to say Batman has some qualities that would make him a good president, but he's mm. kind of dark. That makes me a little nervous. Does it make you nervous? That, yeah, it's a, it's a little too Ted Cruz, right? I don't uh, know, right? There's a, there's a certain aspect of Batman not knowing when to stop yeah. and mm. just deciding, you know, the best way to get rid of these clowns is to get rid of these clowns. <laughs> and that, that may be a problem. I'm a little anxious with the collateral damage for yeah. Batman. That's yeah. true. I it, mean, although, love Batman, right? Yeah. But, he is pretty badass. Yeah. Um, Super, super random. I would go with Black Panther to Chala. Oh, smart choice. Yeah, Beautiful. because he has leadership. Yes, he's been running uh, his own experience, right? He's been running his own country for a I long mean, time. He's in touch with the other side. He is. And so. he's he's also kind of amazing. I, I'm still bothered by his annulment of his marriage to Storm of the X-Men, though. So he's mm. going to have to have a really good reason for moving forward. That's true. <laughs> Shouldn't lose Storm. We like to take a word that is common in public discourse or on social media or on campus or all three of those places, and we like to sort of pull it apart. And this is kind of a meta moment because the podcast itself is called Open to Interpretation, and today's word is interpret, which is really open (laughs) to interpretation. This is getting really tautological. Um, When you think about the word interpretation, what does that mean to you, Mike. I mean, so when I hear interpret, I hear the word hermeneutics, and then mm-hmm. I, um, I don't want to completely nerd out here. But no, you can nerd out I some. Can nerd out a little bit. There's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the whole kind of school of hermeneutics, um, uh, you know, says the important thing is what it means to you, not kind of what it is. And I find myself um, uh, kind of drawn to that. I think like facts are really boring, and interpretations are really interesting. Yes. So um, that's. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. That's okay. initially. Yeah. Hermeneutics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kane? I think about production, actually, in the sense of I, I'm, I'm an actor and a scholar, but I think about the idea of interpreting a role and the translation, which happens, of recognizing something, receiving it, kind of mentally transforming it, and then how is it expressed? And since an interpretation is a process that eventually leads to some sort of expression, mm-hmm. and so I'm really interested in how we bring something to that that is still common? How do we have established a common language if we're all in, interpreting and then reinterpreting through expression? Right. I love that. I think that's like, I mean, I hope, I would hope that it's close to what I said, but I think you talked about it better. 
right? I think that's like, yeah. But you use the word hermeneutics. I that's... know. Well, I mean, well, yeah. hermeneutics is a process, right? I mean, the, both yeah, of those things, the whole, yeah, right? The, the, the whole thing. You're like the sort of variety of lenses through which you might yeah. look at something, yeah. or that other people might yeah. look at something, <laughs> which brings me to sort of the next point, which is responsibility taking for mm. those lenses, right? Because if hermeneutics is it to some degree about how you feel about something, yeah, right? For sure. Uh, and we all show up prepackaged with mm-hmm. biases that we <laughs> drag along with us. And I think, you know, in scholarship, we try, at least in critical scholarship, we try to encourage people to express what those assumptions yeah. and biases are up front so that you say, this is how I'm reading this, looking at mm. this. This is the place that I'm standing to sort of see it, say something about it. So grain of salt, your place might be different. Yeah. How do we take responsibility or what kind of responsibility comes with interpretation? In my field of performance studies, we often have to look at this question, acknowledging our biases in a sense we acknowledge that we're part of the narrative, mm-hmm. that research is not as divorced from who we are as perhaps it might be in the hard sciences. There's an aspect of what we do that is bouncing off of self, transforming, and then reaching out. I think the part of it is to begin to acknowledge these barriers and even work them into the narrative. Uh, there's a perspective there of saying, well, I'm coming from this vector. This yeah. is what I mean to bring out. And I wrestle with this. Some of the work I do, your present question was great because I write about Obama as a superhero. Oh. And wow. one of the things I try and do with that is um, I'm really interested in the long history of race in comic books, but also in politics and how those intersect. Mm-hmm. And then how do I bring that out? Because I think a fair critique of my work is um, what do you know about discrimination and blackness in a way that is fair enough to bring out in terms of performance. Am I reading this from an external point of view? Am I reading this from a more, essentially a more authentic point of view? Right. So I'm always trying to balance that and say, you know, I'm I'm interested in this vector, but also to second guess how I explain something. To say, what is it I'm, what I say is just as important as how I say it. I need to bring those together with interpretation or I'm really going to be skewing perhaps the other's interpretation of what I mean. Right. How do you handle that, Mike, in terms of responsibility? Yeah, responsibility. I, I mean, I, I think probably I'm going to I'm going to say two things here. So um, uh, I think one, I think you ha- you have to be responsible to yourself and to be mm-hmm. honest in that sense and really like to, to genuinely kind of give your take on it, whatever that might be. And the other thing, at least for me, is uh, to remember that uh, interpretation is a social kind of activity. Right. I mean, yeah. in the sense that you're 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 looking for agreement, I think that or or at least looking for communication or something, right? But there's always an implied audience there. Um, and, and if not even implied, I mean, there should be for, for genuine sorts of actual interpretation, actual audience, right? I don't think interpreting by yourself is also kind of boring, frankly, right? I, I think it's much better done. <laughs> Someone has to <laughs> a, read or listen yeah, to your yeah. interpretation, right? <laughs> right, in a social kind of context. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, then why am I doing it, right? I think so, yeah. So when you think about that, because I'm, I'm also thinking about my work, um, which is um, critical rhetoric, and I think about you know, you know part of the part of the thing of citing other people is yeah. in some ways also being responsible to well, some degree, yeah. right? To to say this is what I'm saying. Well, it's establishing, but here your are some other people yeah. who are saying 
similar things, different things. Yeah. Critiques of my work might include it, future yeah. projects might look it at. It does create a sense of authenticity yeah. and authority from what you're trying to bring forth and saying, I'm jumping off from this place. Perhaps it is assumed to be somewhat more solidified knowledge in the sense that you're using these, you know, the idea of standing on giant's shoulders right. or feet or something. I think it's shoulders. <laughs> That's Some probably other, better. You know, you're still tall you're, if you're on their feet. You're higher, yeah, right. but you're higher if you're on yeah. their shoulders. <laughs> well, and also I think like, I mean, maybe an aspect of responsibility is, I mean, at least in a scholarly sense, is locating it in the in the web of interpretations as well, right? To sort of say, yes. I'm like this, I'm like that. I mean, you're not coming out of thin air, generally speaking, right? You have, you have influences. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I pull something great out of the air, so to speak. Right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know. But I, I think that's also an aspect of responsibility is, you know, doing doing your homework, I suppose, yeah. and knowing where you're from. Right? I think you said something that speaks to me as ideal of um, interpretation, but also the the audience and yeah. the reception. Yeah. I, I think about interpreting a role and the meaning, in a sense, comes the, the art of the performer is to then take that role that may be already well known, like Hamlet has been done a thousand times, a thousand ways, but then to interpret it. And it's the audience who will then take that interpretation away as the artistic contribution of the actor. Yeah. And and if it and if it fails as an interpretation, it fails for the audience. Yeah. Right? It doesn't necessarily fail for the performer. It it's I think that's a collective kind of activity. Absolutely. When I when I think of theater, again, as an amateur, right? But, you know, to sort of say like, no, 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 like to be to be in theater is to be part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And there's an aspect of embodying interpretation yeah. and putting it on self and using self as the Active expression, a little bit different than the say, putting it down in writing. Interpretation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. You know, there's an aspect, and the great thing about writing is we don't often get immediate feedback versus performance. Yeah. We know if yeah. the interpretation is not working. Yeah, we they let us know right now. R- right then, yeah, they yeah. Want. I think there's certainly to me that speaks kind of to risk, right? That yes. there's there are interpretations that are riskier than others while right? still being responsible ones i think so. sure yeah but absolutely and I thought, you know, you're like, i get all religiosity here like that's you're fine. incarnated man you in your you're like embodying that shit that's great yeah, yeah. i love that yeah so okay so both of you to some degree are looking at in terms of your you know, nerd work, look at... I prefer geek work, but that's fair. Okay, whatever. We're going to use some sort of... I'm up with titles. Yeah. (laughs) Um, In terms of modernizing something that is not contemporary, Mm. let's say, you know, I brought up T'Challa, who was introduced, I believe, in the 1960s in comic books, Mm -hmm. right? And in more recent adaptations of superhero television shows. My my daughter, by the way, is obsessed with T'Challa. So that's why I know of him. Uh, that this is a probably sort of different character yeah. in 2016 than in 1968, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about when you're thinking about taking an interpretation that was or taking a text that was done some time ago. Mm-hmm. And figuring out what does it mean and what does it mean to a modern or contemporary mm-hmm. audience? Yeah. What's, yeah. How do you do that? There's a, a quote from my friend's book, The Amazing Transforming Superhero. And he argues that all these revisions of superheroes especially 
are an attempt to make them more familiar, even though they're not actually like we're changing certain core elements, it would seem, but we're making them more relevant to now. There was a period when Superman wasn't a reporter for the newspaper. He worked in television. And more recently, Clark Kent has started his own website as a news reporter. Although he's recently been outed to Superman, so that's he's not getting a lot of writing done right now. Probably not. No, it's hard once people know who you are. Yeah. It, yeah. It's complicated his life a lot. Yeah. And the idea that um, I look at the idea, the concept of retroactive continuity, which is built into the superhero medium where we revisit a story and reinterpret it for a more contemporary period. Uh, an example of this, a few years ago, DC Comics relaunched their whole line and said everything that happened for the last 75 years. That's that's great. But we're, we're starting bracketing. out. Yeah. We're saying these characters have been around for five years. And in a sense, some of those revisions were very complicated in trying to smash it all together. But then looking at how can we reinterpret these characters as more modern, more yeah. contemporary. I mentioned Wonder Woman earlier mm-hmm. and more recent takes on her has moved away from her initial kind of pro-American view towards the idea that she's more of a world citizen and is interested in changing not just like criminal activity, but also a social component which has led to a different kind of adversary for the character because there right. are people who see her literally as a threat to their way of life. Right. Superhero texts are in some ways a little bit religious. You know uh, what I oh, mean? Like, oh, yeah. That was, uh, you know, you were because saying, like, I think yeah, that right. there's Absolutely. I think that there's crossover there. Absolutely. Fandom um, and religiosity go oh, hand in hand. For sure. Because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking about these sort of fundamental narratives that superheroes popularize right are sort of the embodiment of some of those um you know our values and our mores and what we consider to be laws or what is justice if you consider superman has often been looked at as a metaphor for the immigrant experience more contemporary reading that probably from the mouths of like luther would actually look at superman as an illegal alien who's come here to take our jobs and our women and it's a a very fair interpretation and much more literal to our current time period. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling around superheroes and I'm like putting it with the Bible. Um, and cause I am obviously I, I interpret that at least a little, I wouldn't be obvious necessarily, but I do interpret that a little bit. Right. And thinking about modernizing, I, I do find when, especially when I look at an ancient text like that or, or any other um, one of those religious texts, I think one of the really useful things to do, is to let it be strange, right? Mm. And to not necessarily um, uh, try to modernize it. I, you know, I think at least with <clears throat> students, right? I mean, uh, you know, they come to at least that particular text with a whole lot of assumptions and and like practically zero knowledge. I mean, that's mm. that, is that fair? It's totally fair. It they're is young, kind of right? fair. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, mean, I went to Sunday school for like 18 years. Right. I wouldn't say that I know much of anything right. about fair the enough, right? Bible. Yeah. Well, there's a, a certain <clears throat> literalism that's... Well, and also you you learned probably pretty well what you knew in Sunday school, but that didn't necessarily mean you read the Bible, right? Oh, no. And when you you read it, um, (laughs) (laughs) people are always surprised, right, at at the kinds of things that go on. They're like, oh, my. It's much sexier. It's it's sexier. It's dirtier. It's it's cruder. Um, I ask my nursing students, I say, so – 
Uh, how many of you have classes in exorcism as part of your nursing? Because this is what people believed healed illnesses. They were possessed by an evil spirit. And then you cast out the evil spirit and you were healed. Do we do that? No. Right. Okay, then we're living in a different world. Right. Um, and I and I do like to at least with those ancient texts, I, I, I like to let the strangers percolate up to the top because they have an idea that they're supposed to supposed to tell them how to live or something. And I want to say like, okay, let's not do that. And then after we kind of do that, then, I mean, at least one, I try to let uh, them at least come at um, some of those, uh, I mean, I, I guess it'd be more more human elements, which are actual, you know, I mean, what does it mean to belong to a community? What what does that entail? Um, what's What are kind of moral actions? How do you know? And so on and well, so forth. Well, things like right. social justice that I think that are kind of, yeah, implied absolutely, in the Bible. Right? And how do we interpret yeah, that yeah. now versus then? Yeah. And I'm very pro-pork. Yeah. And that at a time was not as popular. Yeah. Well, I mean, and pork, right, is it is really about us and them, right? Yeah. It's really about we don't eat your food and you don't eat our food. I had a great professor who said the only reason is this, this cranky old Jewish guy. The only reason is because people down in villages had pigs and people up in the hill had sheep. And we didn't eat their food and I didn't eat our food. It was all just about separations. So we was like, I eat pork, right? Because I want to ah, be with the people, so right? So it's geography. Right. It really, it really was. It was about geography and hatred. We don't eat your food. That means that means we don't really recognize you as people, right? Well, if you um, live up on so, the hill, you also don't do the shellfish thing. Right. Too, exactly. Right. Yeah. right? You know, there's, there's nothing. You're not down on the on the coast, right? Exactly. So anyway, it's a, yeah, it's seen, seen what those things are having a sense of what they might mean. Although sometimes we just don't know, right? I, I always tell my students like, what does that mean? I don't know, I have no idea. Nobody knows what that means. People guess, but yeah, we're kind of out with that, right? Um, I think that's the exciting part about scholarship though, is running into those moments where no one knows and knows. saying, this is your vector. You have a place where you can put a mark on this and bring your interpretation to bear. Yeah. And in some ways it sounds like we're more politicians and I'm comfortable <laughs> acknowledging that we have to sell publicly our interpretation. Oh. And get people on our side, but there is an yeah, aspect but you of kind of have to do that. Yes, I, I, a lot, a lot of what we do is, hey, isn't this awesome? Yeah, <laughs> and it kind of is, right? So, yeah, but yeah, I think that is. I mean, <laughs> that's responsible I, interpretation. Right? Exactly, yeah. it's got to be interesting and fun. I think that's an actual part of that. It, well, it is. I think yeah. interpretation does go hand in hand with entertainment. Yeah. Oh God. And yeah. I'm a little anxious <laughs> about edutainment, but I participate. Yeah. It. Well, edutainment. I. I'm actually a firm believer in that, okay. partially because I think that we learn by what in entertains us. Yeah. If we interpret what we hear literally versus what we hear when it's mm -hmm. been phrased in a way that is compelling to us, yeah. we're going to jump into it. Yeah. But if we hit that wall, I don't want to make it sound like our job is to entertain students. It's not. But <laughs> I think about how we Back make hand. sure. Uh. Yeah. How do we make their experience enough that they learn something? Yeah. My, my favorite part of studying radical feminist theology, um, which talks about castrating God and all kinds of wonderful kinds of stuff, is that it was never boring. And like and that was, it was like a virtue. Like you and it was the you know, Mary Daly, my favorite ever. You know, she she was like, do not commit the boring crime. Right. Do not be dull. And I was yeah. like, OK. Right. I, I completely Good. go with that. Like, let's not be dull. Yeah. Right. Let's let's. Let's shock brave. people. Let's let's make them distressed or angry. Yeah. I people cry and hyperventilate in my classes, but they're not bored. Yeah. They, no, well, no. <laughs> when I teach acting, one of the things we're teaching is the idea to make a bold choice. A lot like of that, that is. I like that. It, it's weird in some sense because I'm also pushing them to improvise some of these choices and do less mental work for the interpretation and be open to the very internal 
explosion of what could happen. And that, yes, I also get the crying. Although sometimes I, I make them you cry make on them purpose. Crying. <laughs> right. But all in the name of learning, not not just for my fun. That's just the gravy, <laughs> right? I, I'm not comfortable saying that on, on recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But certainly, <laughs> with all of this responsibility taking Sorry. and modernizing, no, 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 it's good. This is great. People make mistakes, right? Or at least people mm. make what I might call a mistake or you all might call a mistake. What do you think are, in your field, some of the more common mistakes people make? I, I think in terms of acting and even theater, the idea that Shakespeare has become high culture and is inaccessible, and therefore theater in many ways, with Shakespeare being so much an iconic name in theater, I think we've gotten a point of view where popularly theater seems like high entertainment, when in fact it's a very popular form. There's a lot of access points. There are a lot of different kinds of theater. That is an interesting point, and I, I think I was fortunate in my education. A, my mother's an English professor who taught Shakespeare, so... I had that perspective anyway, but wow, I had... Wow, you don't recover from something like that. Not really. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm sure my children won't recover from me. It's fine. It's the circle of life. Um, but I had English teachers who were very also in that bent. This this did not used to be what you think of it yeah, as no. now. And, and people are scared of it because yeah. they think it's way up there and they're not and they like to watch Real Housewives and so they can't be in Shakespeare yeah. or whatever. Which is very much like Real Housewives in many ways. A little bit. Yeah. There are yeah. lots of moments. There's some salacious drinking going on. Oh. <laughs> it's like Christmas with my parents. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, Mike, I imagine people make a lot of what you would think of as mistakes. Uh, yeah, uh, let me count the ways. I mean, uh, no, I, that's a terrible thing to say. I, I mean, I think a couple of of the what we, what we call mistakes. Uh, one of them. This is where you make like scholarly mic drop moments. Yeah. Like, by just stating this person is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> dead ass wrong is the technical yeah. theological term. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think at least two things. One is 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 confusing a fact with an interpretation, right? I mean, and yes, they, <laughs> right. And just say like, no, Wait, like people do that. Come I on. know, right? It's like, no, like that that isn't actually what it says, right? But then, but that generally, I think actually actually comes out of larger plays is that you have a, a, con, a preconceived conception with the Bible or say maybe the writings of Luther or something like that. Oh God, right? I I taught a religious education class, I needed the money again. They pay you. It's amazing what you do for money when you're young and poor in graduate school. Oh, I know. Um, I know. And mine doesn't sound like nearly as fun as yours. Don't Google me. I Don't won't, do it. No. I, um, but I got to teach religious education at a Lutheran Sunday school. And I went in there with some of Luther's letters, which are great. I think they humanize him. He has this great one like writing to his son about like going to heaven with a golden crossbow to hunt rabbits. It's just terrific, right? I mean, um, yeah, I know, just you can't. But another one is, thanks for all the beer, right? He sends off a letter to somebody who sent them, sent him a bunch of beer, right? And these little, like, Lutheran ladies were scandalized. They said to me, Martin Luther did not write that. 
right? Because that is not what I learned, right? And I'm like, I have his collected works. It's right here. I just thought it was kind of fun that he was a regular guy. No, they were not. They were, so I think like that is a, yeah, well, I would Martin say. Martin Luther as a beer drinker is like, unacceptable. Unacceptable, right? Uh, but uh, just because that's not what I learned, whatever. And, and so in that sense, I mean, that can come to this kind of, no, 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 I have this idea and this couldn't be this way. It's like, no, no, I think like, Maybe part of the the wrong interpretation is just not being open um, Hmm. to maybe what's there, right? There's an aspect, too, that I I think of interpretation is innately performative. There's a sort of aspect which it's citational. We're continually building. And much of what we get in terms of our exposure to things, unless we're very directly working with an original source, which is fairly rare – is an interpretation of an interpretation. Of an interpretation. and we're Right. It's fifth hand by the time it comes to us. Yeah. I I read – a lot of different news sources and I, I try to look at different vectors of news and I get amazed at how some things, just a simple phrasing on a headline will completely change how the article is to be read sure. and the interpretation. That's and what we call framing. Yes. Mm. It's also what we call Fox News. Yeah. It's well, how we yeah. we speak to a certain audience that is prepared for our interpretation. Right. And in well, a and sense, there are only certain that. kinds of interpretations that are going to be within the realm of acceptability of that particular audience. And I yeah. think, especially to your point, as people select more and more and more niche are, and are able to select more and more and more niche news sources, you don't actually have to be exposed if you don't want yeah. to to well, the fat to the idea. I'm sorry, I don't want to use the word fact. The interpretation that facts. Martin Luther yeah. Uh, yeah, right. was a beer drinker. Yeah. Well, and I think the other... Um, or the climate notion. change is real or whatever. <laughs> whatever. What happens, do you think, if something gets misinterpreted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the things I think about is... One of the tropes that I see constantly now is the non-apology, the yeah. non-apology oh, apology, like right? That, the like I'm sorry if you were offended yeah. or my words were taken out of context or <laughs> you mis you misinterpreted what I said. OK, so yeah. if something gets now, those things generally are not actually misinterpretations, but correct understandings of what the person said. And the person is now just angry that he or she got caught saying them. But what if someone you know, I think about, for instance, the idea of, um, uh, you know, interpretations of biblical texts that were wrong for hundreds of years, yeah. right? And there are interpretations that are more politically palatable mm-hmm. than others, but they're not more correct, right? Yeah. So what happens or what's the process by which a misinterpretation gets I think corrected? It, wait. Wow, I'm going to go real heady with this. And I'm, That's okay. I'm thinking of um, Victor Turner's work and the idea that the we have these social dramas that play out and we have these breaches, which are going to be in our case when the interpretation is being questioned. Right. And what is the ritual in which we go to to bring things back together and reestablish what our normative new line is, whether right. that's return to what it was by stamping down that interpretation or Status moving to a different vector. Or, right. I consider the... I think um, same-sex marriage issues okay. in the last years. I've I was just talking to my students about whether we can look at the Supreme Court activity as a ritual, which has changed how we interpret the Constitution. If it is indeed something that's, I think the big 
argument with the Constitution is if it doesn't mention it, is it covered? Right. Is it a living document or yeah. is it – are you in a quote-unquote originalist, right? And the misinterpretation there – misinterpretation comes with the limited application of what's there. Mm-hmm. If we are unwilling to revise our interpretation, then it, it is, like you said, it's, it's a stuck document that is dead document or maybe dead-ass wrong document. Some ways, not not totally. Don't no. don't don't write me. But I think that there are aspects with the the Constitution, especially we are interpreting these certain sacred texts in a sense, and wanting to find the right interpretation. Yeah. And misinterpretation is just the flip side of that. I mean, there is an aspect that people can yeah. intentionally read against the grain of anything. So one ritual maybe is that we go to institutional authority as part of a corrective. Oh, yeah. Well, to some degree, like the Supreme Court. Maybe scholarly opinion. Yeah. No. Oh, I know. Who right? does that? <laughs> We're open. Yeah. <laughs> there are some members of the Supreme Court that certainly don't. Yeah. I also <laughs> think it's very helpful to think about interpretation as a trajectory, right? And I yeah. think that this dovetails nicely um, with what you were saying in the sense that, you know, hey, uh, interpretations start here, they go here, they wander back, they go up, they go down. Um, and, 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 and that's part of the kind of living aspect of what we were talking about. I mean, it's, it's only alive if people care about it and want to sort of interpret it in a particular way. I mean, same sex marriage is a big deal because a lot of people care about it, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, other kinds of things that we're talking about. Superman is a big deal because a yeah. lot of people care about it. The Bible is a big deal and a lot of people care about it. And, and those trajectories are going to go different ways. There's a terrific, terrific book by Stephen Prothero called American Jesus. He just looks mm. at how Jesus was has been interpreted in America from the Puritans up through the 1970s. That's pretty fascinating. It's Great. Jesus in the 19th century is the bearded lady. He, mm. he is an androgyne. It's all of those sweet sentimental hymns. I come to the garden alone. I'm going to meet you and be a kind of romantic figure. And Whoa. he's super feminized in the 1920s. Jesus has got shoulders and he's a carpenter and, and, and he, and he's the greatest scrapper who ever yeah. lived. People, I mean, he's like talking about he's a boxer. He's a boxer. No, totally. In the 70s, I grew up with hippie Jesus, right? Yeah. And I loved hippie Jesus because he had sandals and long hair and was kind of meek and mild and gentle and, you know, loved animals and stuff like yeah. the hippies, right? It's great. And now we're at supply side there's, Jesus. There's black Jesus and there is a bodhisattva Jesus yeah. and there there's is. There's warrior Jesus. Is yeah. out there the idea that people wanting to yeah. remasculinize Jesus, but in a, this hyper bizarre masculinization where mm -hmm. you know, Jesus is going out and killing people to prove that he's right. And I would and I would say that that would be like a misinterpretation, yeah. right? You know, but 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 that's because I got some skin in the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's the important thing is I care about it. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I have to admit, I'm not it's super religious, but I look at the concept of um, warrior Jesus. And I, I think my limited reaction is like that seems like a big misinterpretation <laughs> that I I'm not sure how. Someone can make that leap. Radical a leap. Yeah, yeah. And it's on one hand, it's it's great for us as scholars. So it gives us something to write about. against, perhaps. Right. About is probably a better word. But the. Oh, against. Right. Yeah. Interpretation. Mm -hmm. You got to have a take. I mean, in some ways, as scholars, our job is to kill interpretations and make new ones. I think this is probably the last question we have time for. But how do things like language and culture affect 
how people interpret something. And I'm thinking, well, maybe specifically, I think of that scene in Lost in Translation, if you've seen that film, Mm. uh, where there is something that happens in translating or interpreting what is the situation, the context, the language, right, where things get lost or where there isn't, in fact, a corollary term, really, for a word. You know, I think about, for instance biblical terms that have been there's a lot of there's a hermeneutic process yeah, right indeed, i mean we're going to go sure. through a whole lot of interpretations as it goes from hebrew to greek to latin to english and back and forth and into other languages where there aren't words for things mm-hmm. so language and culture that's kind of a big question yeah, yeah. I, I think take a piece of it one of the one of the i mean i'll, I'll take the language piece i i'm uh i was not i was an undergraduate language major right language cultura hispanicas right um and I, thank you yeah and i i mean i love the you know hispanic speaking community and one of the best things heard ever was eric nelson um he's we're talking about you know what do our departments it was a department not a, a division retreat and he said you know what what do we do for the students what's the best thing he said the best thing we do is the introductory language class because it disorients students, it gets them to be an open in a way to a uh, novel experience that they have not been because they think by virtue of being sort of monolingual that they kind of know things. And he wants to say, we don't, right? Yeah. Th- th- all of these cultural acts are interpretations mediated by language. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's why, that's why people study language. That's why it's so important. You know, not, I mean, it is important to communicate with other people, right? But also... Um, the kind of what it does to the person in terms of their kind of um, being able to uh, understand their own place in the interpretive world mm. is a is is a like a great service. And so I was like, that's right. I, I love think that. that. That's that's terrific. Yeah. I think the inquiry seminar does a lot of the same kind of thing, yes. even if it's not in another language. Right. That I yeah. taught first year students for the first time in six years in the fall. And I forgot things like I just started rattling off like, go to this, go to our course management site and do X, Y, or Z. And they have, of course, no idea what I'm even talking about. I'm quite literally the first professor they've ever had in college. They came from, you know, their sort of orientation to me. Yes. Uh, And you forget those kinds of things and how disorienting the whole thing is. But I always open by saying you should feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I think that's really important. He brings an idea and I'm marring with yours. The idea that in challenging interpretations is uncomfortable. Yeah. And in some ways that's what college is about, is to say you've had a certain cultural matrix up until this point. We are now going to problematize that and explode it. And We're going to begin by watching The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a fair beginning to every class ever. I think so too, honestly. Yeah. Well, I, take the red or blue pill. I can't remember which color it is that gets you... Wait, when you have an option, I say take both. Take both. <laughs> take all of it. Yeah. Take them all. See what happens. <laughs> see what happens. That's oh, going to get me in trouble. The, right now, I one of the challenging things about college is the idea of like the trigger warning. Yes. And do we have to, in a sense, pre-interpret for our students? Are they going to be allowed to have this thing challenged that yeah. they may not or be used be to? Or be exposed to that thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, I run into this in religion as well. People come in with an idea. I've got my faith. It was in Sunday do. school. Sure. And please don't mess with this. And I do tell students at some point where it's appropriate. Right. I say, 
hey, if I'm not making you uncomfortable, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Right? I mean, so. Well, I and I I think, too, you go ahead and make me uncomfortable right back. It's not like I'm yeah. standing up yeah, here right. knowing absolutely everything. Right. If you want to bring some other perspective, that's the point. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Right? Let's, right. Let, let, let's play I mean, the game. Don't yell at me. I'm yeah. not going to yell at you. I might yell. No, I, unless I, you I, yell at me first. I, in which case, I will yell regardless. <laughs> There's all the yelling. Yeah. It's hard to teach acting without yelling at people. I guess that's probably true. Acting and football. Right? They're the same. They're very similar. Full contact. All right. So last word on the word. Anything you want to say to wrap us up? I would say interpret. Just do it. You are anyway. You are doing it anyway. I'm not sure I can interpret that the way you want. (laughs) But we always... We always have our ideal audience for our interpretations. Sure. And the biggest vector in our work. Wow, I've used that word so many times. You today. love vector. I don't know why word. I use it. Can we edit some of those out? Okay, do it later. We'll fix it in post. The idea that we are wanting to interpret and, and interpret for other people, the willingness to say I don't have all the answers is a big part of being a professor that I think many people misunderstand. Right. And... We want new interpretations. We're looking for them. Sometimes we're making them. And we want that Surprise both me. in our work right. and from our students right. and even from the community. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always delighted when there's novelty. Novelty yeah. is exciting. Even if I think this person is... Batshit crazy? Yeah. <laughs> this person is dead ass wrong. Dead ass wrong and batshit crazy. Dead ass wrong. But, you know, at least this is a novel <laughs> take on... This issue. I was not bored during that. I was not meeting. bored. I was not bored. That's right. You're I wrong, was... but I was not bored. That is right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kane and Mike, for being here and for doing the difficult work of interpreting. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. And that's all I had to say about that. I learned something today. We're all officially kicked out of school. See you around. Yeah, see you.